the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. All you may need, He will provide. God will take care of you. Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his breast. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Amen. Well, thank you, ladies. Appreciate your help there. Well, will God take care of us? <laughs> That's a question we're going to have to ask ourselves. Will He take care of us right now? Like I said, don't, don't watch the news. They've already told you we're doomed. We're doomed for destruction. I have a theological expression about that. Oh, I forgot I'm on national television. Pardon that, pardon that uh, expression, but sometimes I just have to let it go. I just really do. Who, who gave them the ability to see what's about to take place, right? You, you kind of wonder if they think they're not God sometimes. Amen. By the way, that's the root cause of all, all of our sin is we think we're God. That's why we, why we disobey. That's why we sin. That's why we refuse to do uh, things that God has explicitly and clearly told us to do. We just think we're God. We don't think we don't believe God, and I'm talking about uh, lost people, and hopefully few Christians, if any, uh, that uh, believe that uh, that God is really, uh, you know, um, the consequences of uh, of our actions is God's going to wink at, and He's going to let us get by with it, or He's going to look the other way when we when we do things, and oh my. Uh, Listen, folk, uh, God is going to do what He says He's going to do. You can count on that. Uh, Jesus Christ is coming again. You can count on that. And by the way, he, uh, I've heard over these so many years of preachers saying, if, if God doesn't tarry His coming, uh, let me just say He doesn't tarry. He doesn't postpone what He's already said He's going to do. 
You know that all of creation, everything that we see, all of uh, every soul that's been born was already determined before the world began. He already knew me. He already knew you. He knew when you were going to be born. He knew when you were going to live. He knew where you were going to live. I'm so very grateful that the Lord allowed me to live in this country. What a privilege it is. With all its woes and all its sin. And we are reaping. We are, we truly are reaping the, our, our own consequences of sin today. There's no doubt about that. Our country is in, is in deep trouble. And it doesn't matter who gets in the, in the White House. What we need to focus on right now is our house. Amen. Letting, getting our house in order. Letting God rule and reign in our house. And uh, that's how we can help uh, others, by making sure that our house is where it ought to be. You know, uh, I don't know what the future holds for the election. I, I, you know, I have a preference, and I voted for the one that I hope gets elected. But honestly, just whoever steps into the White House is not the answer to our problems in America. We have some... And it's not, a, it's not a skin problem in America. It's a sin problem. It's not about black and white and, and everything. It's about sin. It doesn't matter. If everybody was the same uh, shade of color, listen, sin would find a way to divide, right? I mean, uh, in Africa, you know, I mean, they a constant wars in Africa. Uh, in other countries, and even in America, there was a time when we fought against our own selves. Same color, same shade. No, our answer lies higher than the White House. Our, our answer to our woes, the help that we need, is not going to come from the White House. And I thank God for our president right now. I appreciate what he's done. It's so refreshing to have a, a, a president that has actually done what he said he would do. Isn't that refreshing? I personally believe he was elected because the average American is so sick of politicians that they will, they will run on, on certain, uh, you know, a, a certain uh, uh, platform, if you would. And they're going to do this and they're going to do that, but it seems like when they get there, they don't do nothing. And they were, we were, and we, you know, time after time, Americans were promised this and promised that. And, and frankly, I believe the reason that we have a non-politician in the White House, and he is not a politician, and I thank God for that. Amen. I don't appreciate some of his language. Uh, I'm not condoning that, and he shouldn't say that. I mean, can, I mean, what kind of an impact is he doing on our children, right? Well, the president said it. I mean, he, you know, you, you got to think about when you hold a position like that, just what kind of an impact you make, your circle of influence. But I thank God for what he has done for America. But in spite of all of that, or in, uh, instead of all that, he is still not the answer to America's woes. The only answer to America's woes comes from God, and we've got to deal with what we have done as a, as a nation, and we've sinned against Almighty God. 
You know, we talk about revival, and uh, rightly so, we should. But listen, when we get tired of hearing revival, it is a surefire bet that we need revival. When we are not challenged and, and uh, our heart doesn't ache, And all we can see is the sins of the world and not our own sins. We're in trouble. Oh, how we need revival. The psalmist said, God, it's time for you to work. And God does need, if there's ever a time when God needs to work, it's now. To show himself strong. So many Americans today who have been uh, indoctrinated with the lies of evolution and um, telling children that they evolved from a from a lower animal. Oh, my soul. You know, there's a day coming when they will have to answer to God why they told a three-year-old that you came from a monkey. I don't want to be in their shoes that day. Now they can, you know, they can fool or try to fool people, but you can't fool God. A lot of it, there's a lot. Listen, nobody is going to get away with anything. There's a day coming when everything will be manifested. Even our own motives for what we do. That's, that's a little bit concerning to me, isn't it you? I look good up here today. I know somebody already told me, hey, man, you look good. Oh, yeah. But when, I, when, the, when the truth comes, uh, truth is, when I stand before the Lord and God opens up and reveals to me, and I don't know who if anybody else is gonna, it's going to be revealed to, and show, and show to me, me, what I did and why I did what I did, oh, I want to, I, I, don't, I don't take serving God lightly or flippantly. I really don't. I'm very serious about the Lord. And we all should be. Amen. So I'm going to let God be God and trust Him in our days of uncertainty and ask Him to be merciful to America and give to the churches, His churches, revival because we are the salt and salt irritates and we are the light. And light irritates. And we are just, I have a gift of irritating. Um, and uh, I, don't think it, I don't think that kind of irritation, though, is of God. But we are to be the salt and light. And, you know, and, and when things rock our cup, our bowl, we should be so filled with the Spirit of God that what comes outside the bowl is not our frustrations and not our flesh. And it ought to be fruit of the Spirit. Amen. You know, lost people, they look at us when we're going through some hard times. Your, your te- if there's a testimony that you'll have that impacts others around you, is the impact that you have or the testimony you have when you're going through some tough times. Everybody can put a smile on their face. Anybody can look like everything's okay on the outside. 
But it's in those specific and particular days when it seemed like everything is crashing in. It's those days that your testimony shines so bright to the lost and dying world. You just never know. So how we respond uh, to our circumstances is absolutely critical in relation to our testimony of those around us. We're not trying to put a front on. We just want God to be God in our lives in the bad times and the good times. You know, we're, a lot of times Christians act just like the world. When it's great, we forget God. You know, when the bills are paid and, and uh, you know, the car's not broke down on the side of the road and all that, well, man, I got a little, I got five bucks in the bank. And we forget God. Then when everything crashes in around us, we act like the world. Oh, we're, we're hand-wringing and oh, what are we going to do? What? I don't know what to do, but I know where my eyes are going to be focused on fast. And I'm going to, I'm going to be looking to God for, for His direction, His help. That's what I'm going to do. He is my help. Matter of fact, He says He's my help in time of need. That's why we're to come boldly to the throne of grace. And we can find the help that we need. Amen? Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and look at uh, uh, some things here this morning. It's a, it's a challenge to uh, preach to, um, to churches when I don't know what's been preached. So I really do depend and lean on the Lord for direction. And uh, so uh, this morning I want to talk to you about... Um, about some truths that are non-negotiable in the Scriptures. There's a lot of truth. As a matter of fact, all the Bible is truth. There's uh, tons of promises in the Bible. Some are unconditional. Some are conditional. Um, there's, there's, there are uh, conditional promises that if you and I do not meet those conditions, we cannot claim those promises. That's, that's absolutely for sure. There are some truths nonetheless, and these are only, I'm only going to give you three this morning. These three uh, 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 truths are absolutely non-negotiable. I mean, you, you can't talk about it, argue about it, uh, try to sway uh, anyone or God about it. It is, it is absolutely, absolutely true. This is, this is something that you and I as believers need to understand. So take, uh, take your Bible, turn to John chapter 3, the first one. I don't have a text verse this morning, but we'll just go through these three points. Hopefully I'll, I'll get done in an acceptable time. You'll still like me at the end of the service. Uh, I know how difficult it is to pay attention when the dinner bell is calling your name. When I go over uh, in preaching, uh, sometimes I beat myself up and but then the Lord always takes me to the uh, to Paul's preaching in the in Acts where he was long. The Bible says he was long preaching. And I thought, yeah, thank you, Lord. That's not just me. It's it just it happens to a lot of preachers sometimes. So, anyway, Acts chapter or I'm sorry, John chapter number three, uh, and we're going to look at uh, verse number uh, verses five and seven. The first non-negotiable truth uh, that every person needs to needs to under, uh, acknowledge, recognize, understand is that you and I, including the entire world, must be born again. It's a must. It's non-negotiable. It's not something that 
uh, some can can uh, experience, but uh, but others they don't have to. Being born again is an absolute essential necessity uh, in this life, and when when we think about the, uh, this matter of being born again, we immediately brings up questions. Well, why do I need to be born again? What have I done? I haven't done anything. I've been my mom. I've been a good neighbor. You know, I I give uh, you know I give. Uh, I give food to stray cats, and, and you know, I just do, and we begin to start uh, asking ourselves, and, and by the way, that is a normal, natural question to ask when, when, it, comes to, uh, uh, when it comes to this non-negotiable truth, uh, when somebody approaches you, and I'm not talking about you as a saved person, but as a lost person, and hopefully somebody approached you, cared enough about your soul, wanted you to uh, not uh, spend an eternal, Christless eternity apart from him, but cared enough about you to tell you, hey, you must be born again. You're going to say, well, why do I need that? Because, number one, we're in dire need of help. As Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden through disobedience, that that very nature, that fallen nature has been passed on to every soul that's been born since. That's why you never have to teach your child to do right. You always, I'm sorry, you never have to teach your child to do wrong. You always have to teach them to do right. And they can come up with all kinds of things to do wrong. I had a, one of the biggest problems I had with my oldest daughter, who, who just visited me, by the way. Really happy about that. Hadn't seen her in 18 months. Um, she had a problem with stick, trying to stick her finger in an electric socket. And I tell her, don't you touch that. You touch that, you're going to be in trouble. Got these big beagle eyes looking at me. As soon as I leave the room, she started to act towards that, that socket. Didn't you hear me? Don't you understand? I'm telling you not to do that. Why, why is it that we have to, uh, parents know, we, it's, almost, it's almost a, you know, a given here, but I think sometimes we just need to hear it again. You and I do not have to, uh, to, to teach a child to do what's wrong. It comes by them what? Naturally. Oh, my. One of the, and I think sometimes parents are about as dumb as a child is sometimes when they say to the child, why did you do that? What do you mean why? They're sinners. That's why. It comes by them naturally. Why did you do that? You know better. Yeah, but it comes by them naturally. And so they have, uh, when it comes to teaching a child, and I learned early on, they don't get it the first time around. You've got to tell them twice. No. Three times? No. You've got to keep telling them. Matter of fact, when they get, when they get old enough to go leave the, leave the house, you're thinking, oh, if I could just have five more years with them, I think I can get them whipped in shape here. Right? It, listen, I, uh, the, the fallen nature of man as a result of disobedience, every person disobeys. Every person sins because of that nature. They are born with it. A person is... A person is, is a sinner by nature, and a person is a sinner by choice. They choose to sin willfully, not ignorantly. They may be ignorant of the consequences, but they're not ignorant of the willful act. Most children know what they do 
uh, if they're, if, especially if they're in a good, decent, uh, loving home that parents are trying to teach them to do what's right. They know what's, what to do is what they're supposed to do, but they willfully choose to disobey. Disobedience comes with a very high price tag. It really does. God said to Adam and Eve in the day ye eat of the uh, fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. Somebody came along, old smutty face came along and said, yeah, don't believe God. He's, he's, he's keeping back. He's, he's not letting you enjoy something that really is rightfully yours. You, you could be as God if you partake of that fruit. I thought it interesting that uh, temptation doesn't always come through the eyes. In Adam and Eve's case, it came through the ears. There is power in the spoken word in there. By the way, just, just for us, as a side note, that's why, that's why we are to be real careful about what we speak and how we speak it because of the power that, that the spoken word has on the hearers. Eve didn't see the fruit like she saw it, that it was desirable. She saw it, at first, she saw it as forbidden. But all the, after Satan was done, all of a sudden she saw that and it looked beautiful. And just to say this, sin always looks pretty. You know, I don't know if they still have billboards that advertise cigarettes or not, but years ago it was old Marlboro man on a horse with a cigarette. They both smelled the same, the horse and the man. You know, macho. I'm a cowboy. Why? Because I got a Marlboro cigarette hanging out of my, my mouth. What they need to do uh, is uh, go forward about 20, 30 years and take a picture of Marlboro Man again while he's so, so many have been laying in hospital because of the effects of Marlboro had on their body. I remember a story that was told of a preacher that, uh, uh, of a man who smoked all of his life and he eventually developed cancer in his throat. I'm sorry, in his uh, uh, tongue or mouth, somewhere in, in there. And so they ended up doing a, a trach on him so he could breathe. And he went to visit him, and I guess this was a time when you could smoke in the hospitals. And he, was, he walked into the room, and there he was with a cigarette poked in the hole in his throat. You say, how stupid can you be? Let me say that sin is very powerful. The Bible talks about sin as uh, something that can deceive us so powerfully. That's why young people in here, when, when somebody, you're especially your mother and dad, say, don't, don't do that. It's wrong. Don't do that. Because when you get on that, that road, it's a very slippery road. And so oftentimes you're not able to get off of it quickly. It ends up taking its toll on you, not only physically but spiritually as well. We, we must be born again because of our sinful nature. 
and our acts of sin. We are guilty before a thrice holy God. He has, he's the one that made us, the Bible says. We are created. We are not God. There is a God who created us, and we didn't have any part in it. By the way, we really shouldn't be that proud of dirt, because that's what we're made out of. We powder up, and we douse on stuff that smell, makes us smell good, and we, uh, we do all kinds of things to this lump of clay, but the reality of it is we're just dirt. Uh, ladies, I'm glad that uh, you feel like you need to, you know, freshen up and things. As one preacher said, a little coat of paint always helps an old barn. And, uh, and nothing wrong, nothing wrong with making making yourselves presentable, making yourselves, uh, you know, uh, beautiful. I think all, I think all of our ladies are beautiful in Christ. And uh, uh, but just remember, ladies, it's just dirt. Don't that help you today? That'll give you, that'll give you, boy, I'm sure glad they told me that. I feel a lot better about myself. I'm just a, I'm just a dirt ball. Yeah, anyway. Well, just so, it's, it just so, so oftentimes we get our priorities out of order and sometimes our focus is just merely on our flesh. Just remember, flesh is just made up of dirt. That's all we are. That's why when we die, uh, we don't retain our beauty. We become just ashes again, just dust from which we were taken from. God breathed into that dust the breath of life, and we became a living soul. Amen? Oh, God is a, such a, a good God. We must be born again. Every soul on the face of this earth, in order to escape the separation that is going to take place in, in the future could start today. Well, actually, it's not going to start today. It's going to be a while, but um, there's a day coming when every soul that is not born again will be separated from God in eternity. We know where that place is at. A lot of preachers today kind of skirt around the word hell. I am not one of those. You know, you know who needs to hear about hell more than anybody? Christians. We need to hear about, about hell. We need to be reminded of hell. Why, why preacher, are you, are you afraid that Christians are going to hell? No. We as believers need to know or be reminded of hell because those that are not saved, are that's their destiny. That's where they're going to end up. God has left us here to tell them, hey, that is not where you want to go. You don't want to go there. There's a place that God has reserved for every believer, every child of God, uh, that, uh, uh, that is going to spend eternity with heaven. But those that reject the Lord Jesus Christ have no place in heaven. You must be born again. I don't know you in here. I, I mean, I've got some familiar faces here I recognize, but there's only one person in this room I know that's saved. Now, I'm not trying to de- cause doubt in your uh, in your mind. That doubt is is from is from the devil. I'm not trying to cause you to doubt, but you need to know. Do you know that you're saved? Do you know you're born again? 
John chapter 3, verses 5 and 7 uh, is a very familiar story of Nicodemus, a religious ruler of the day. He, he was probably at times he was standing up uh, uh, behind a pulpit speaking about, uh, uh, speaking about the Word of God mixed with man's uh, ideas and religious uh, uh, beliefs. And uh, he, was, uh, he was somebody elevated in, uh, uh, in his religious belief, a Pharisee. And Jesus said to this Pharisee, this religious leader, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. It is not optional. It's not uh, negotiable. It is an absolute imperative truth. And God's people, so oftentimes we get, we get distracted from this reality that every person must be born again. You know, we're in, a, we're in an exciting time right now. I, I, I believe that. Now, it's a challenging time, but it's exciting to me because I know that in order for... Uh, uh, for things to, tr- to come to fruition, some things have to be put, put in place. We are seeing, we're seeing the setting up of a one-world uh, one government. We're seeing, the, uh, we're seeing how that so many, quote-unquote, religions are coming together. And the very thing that's keeping us apart is, is this terrible, dirty thing called uh, doctrine. And we, so we want to just... Cast that aside, and we just all come together and, and they'll just love one another. Singing something. I don't know what they sing. They speak harshly and hardly about those that, uh, those churches that take stands for what's right and, and stand for what's right. In spite of what everybody else is doing, they they seem to be so close-minded and so bigoted that they have no room to allow any any uh, uh, ideas or, uh, or 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 any beliefs to uh, infiltrate. No, they just they're just so bigoted and so hard, uh, so uh, stubborn in their in their uh, in their religion. Oh, listen, it's coming. One world government, one world religion is coming. Now, just because you, you, may, you may have a natural stubbornness, that don't mean that that's of God. That just means you're stubborn. I preached a message years ago on, uh, on uh, just, because, uh, just because you're standing, uh, it, just because you think you're standing, you may not be standing. You just may just be stubborn. There's a difference between stubbornness and standing for Christ. Amen. I think a little bit of stubbornness helps a little bit on the way, but um, <clears throat> we ought not to be stubborn. We ought to be open to truth and close to untruth. We ought to be open to the will of God and closed to doing uh, to being disobedient to God. We ought to be simple in that which is concerning evil, right? We ought to we ought not to. We ought not to learn all the ins and outs of sin. Amen. Don't don't uh, 
You know, I've heard preachers in the past. Uh, matter of fact, I had I remember one preacher that wrote a little pamphlet on what homosexuals do. I don't want to know what they do. Why would I want to know that? That's not of God. That's perversion. And the Lord Jesus died for uh, for the Sodomites. I, I'm not saying that we ought to, you know, that we're better than they are, but I don't want to learn what they do. I want to learn it. None of my, it, it, it does not pertain to my life as a believer. It should not even be considered. It should not even be known. Paul told uh, Corinthians about uh, 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 that they uh, that uh, they were committing a sin that that even the world uh, doesn't even talk about. I don't want to know about sin, other than the fact that it will send you uh, away from God. It will destroy your life. It will wreck every relationship you have. You allow it to rain in your body. I don't want to know it. What does homosexuals do behind the doors? I don't know. And keep the doors closed. Don't let them come out. Amen? Reason that the reason they're coming out today, because Christians are going behind the doors. We're, we're supposed to be hiding behind the doors. We're supposed to be out, be in the light and salt we need to be. We must be born again, number one, oh my. Uh, number two, we must... Worship God in spirit and truth. There's a lot of so-called worship going on in our day that has nothing to do with worship of God. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on, folk. It's disturbing. Uh, Brother Boer was uh, a while back, uh, uh, he was on Wednesday talking about um, uh, some of the things that are going on. And he had, he had videoed uh, some preachers and things that were going on. And uh, it was it was very disturbing, wasn't it, for those of you that were were in that uh, here at that time? Very disturbing what's going on under the guise of of uh, worship. Uh, the only there, the only way that man can worship God is by spirit and truth. Period. Spirit there is talking about man's spirit. We're, tri, we're, we're a trichotomy. In other words, we're, there's three parts to man. God created us with a body, a soul, and a spirit. And not necessarily in that order. I believe we're a spiritual uh, creation uh, clothed in a body. I really do. Uh, because uh, the body can decay, but the spirit and the soul does not. If a, a believer dies before the rapture takes place, uh, we place the body in the grave, but the spirit goes to heaven. Amen. It doesn't die. We must, if we are going to be a worshiper of, of God, we need to understand the only worship that ta- that transpires is through the, is by the spirit and the truth. So true worship is uh, is based uh, uh, really on three conditions here. Uh, in in John four twenty four it says uh, God's a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him. And by the way, it says must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Uh, what does that say to me? That says that there's only one way that uh, that worship takes place. You can say you're worshiping God. You can. Look like, I guess, that you're worshiping God. I mean, I've seen them. They are really going to town up there. I mean, they're, they're moving from one side to the other. 
don't know how many of them get slapped in the middle of all that stuff, but uh, man, they're just and they're they're uh, they're singing and they're babbling and they're you know, um, and I'm not trying to make fun of them. I am trying to help us understand that true spirit, real I'm sorry, real worship uh, is is shown to us. It, described to us in the scriptures and if we really want to know the truth then we are to go to the scriptures to find find out concerning uh concerning what god has for us to do by the way worship should be a natural response to our salvation it should not be some super spiritual exhibition where we're humming and waving our hands. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't do that. Um, but it is a byproduct of our salvation, worship. It's, uh, it's, worship is an adorning of, of one that you have placed in a very... It, it's a reverence to. It's, it, is a, um, it is a recognition of, of a person lifting that person up to a higher place than you are. Amen. There's three parts. Uh, the, 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 true worship is based on three conditions. The first one is based on knowledge. We see in, uh, in uh, uh, John chapter 4, verse number 22, it says, uh, uh, You worship, you know not what we know what we worship, be, uh, for salvation is of the Jews. And of course, the setting here is uh, uh, our Lord Jesus uh, I had to go through Samaria. He said, I must needs be that I go through Samaria. And uh, the, the reason he went there, um, by the way, the Lord never did anything happenstance. Uh, everything he did, everything he said was purposeful. And you and I need to, need to understand. We say things. We do things. You know, well, I don't know what we, why I did. I don't know why I said that, really. I just don't. God, you, You'll never hear or see that from God. God. Everything God does is for a purpose, for a reason. Uh, we are we aren't like that, are we? We we that's why we're always opening our mouth and inserting our foot. Amen. I wish I could take back some of the words that I have spoken in the past to reveal my ignorance and my stupidity. I wish I could. I can't. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't. God has never been guilty of happen. Just you know, I just said it just because. I was tired or whatever. I didn't feel very well, so you just happen to be the sounding board of my frustration today. That's never going to happen to God. Why? Why? Why did you? We tell our our child when, the, especially kids, when uh, the boys when, when they're young, they take a ball and they can do so much damage with a ball, can't they? Why did you, you? Why were you throwing the ball two inches away from the plate glass window? You know, it's like, well, I don't know. I, Felt like I was going to be able to catch the ball. Well, no, you didn't. Now we got a big hole in the window. God never. My point here is, God never does things, you know, just on the spur of the moment. Everything that God does is. That's why the Bible says that uh, that He does everything decently and in order. Very orderly God. Very a very uh, uh, sinless God. Everything He does is perfect. Amen. Uh, but true worship is based on knowledge, knowing Him personally. 
Uh, I, I can now worship God knowing who He is and, and He is now my Savior. I can worship my Savior now. I can, I can ascribe to Him what is due to Him. I can, I can elevate Him to a place in my life where He should be because of my personal relationship with Him. Number two is based on the Spirit, not just not the Holy Spirit, but uh, the Spirit of God uh, because God's a Spirit and my Spirit. That's why we talked about earlier that uh, we are a tripart being, and it is that spirit of which uh, we have the privilege to commune with God. He created us in order to commune with Him, to fellowship with Him. And, uh, and so when we, we talk about worshiping God, it's, it, is based on, uh, it is based on knowledge, it's based on the spirit. And third, it's based on truth or doctrine, we could call I'm a, I'm a stickler on doctrine. I just I, I just I'm not I'm not uh, very um, I, I don't give much on doctrine. I just don't. Uh, it's a slippery slope when you start compromising when it comes to the scriptures. You you know we by the way we don't have who are we to compromise scripture? Did God put us in charge? Why did God give us scripture? Why did He give us commands? Are are those negotiable? Are commands negotiable in the Bible? No. What is our responsibility to the commands of God? One thing. Obey. Parents, when you give your child a direct order, is it time to negotiate? What makes a parent, at least in my house, what makes a parent uh, lose their composure? So to speak, is when a child decides. Well, I don't. I'm not really in favor of that of that uh, rule. So I, I I propose that we do it this way. You know what? If I tried that with my parents, I would not be here as living proof of mercy because my dad was not merciful. He would have killed me right on the spot. I was just raised in a home where the dad spoke one time. He told you what to do, and then that was there was no discussion, nothing. You you had you had the choice at that moment when you heard what was said to do it. And if you didn't, he didn't come back and elevate his uh, his his uh, his volume and yell. He never he he didn't do that. He just he just conked you on the head or whatever he did. It was, you know, it's told you once, that's it. By the way, I'm in favor of that in our day. One of, one of the problems we're having with young people is they don't know when mom and dad tell them to do something when it's time to obey because they'll sit there, you do that one more time. I've heard that in stores, haven't you? you Johnny, you do that one more time. Well, he's already done it ten times. What does 11 have to do with it? When should Johnny have, uh, have obeyed his parents? The 11th time? You know, parenting is not really about, uh, in our day, it's not about training the child. It's about training the parent. And parents are failing the test miserably. We must be born again. We must worship God in spirit and truth. And thirdly, and I'm just, just highlighting some of the high points here, we must all give an account to God, saved or lost. Uh, 
the judgment that every person that's been created is going to stand before a God in heaven. There are two, uh, two phases, if you would, to the judgment. Uh, there are two specific judgments, if you would. One is for the lost, one is for the saved. But both of those judgments are based upon our works. And that's the reason why there's two judgments. The judgments are not to decide, determine whether you're going to hell or heaven. That has been established on this side of the judgment. You and I decide where we're going to spend eternity right now. That's why it's so, so uh, just disheartening when, when preachers and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and these religious folk that try to imply that you have to, keep, you have to do something to get saved. You have to do something. You have to join a church or, or uh, give your money or, 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 uh, be, or live a good life or, or, uh, or, or be baptized. Any kind of work that, I, uh, that uh, is, uh, is implied or, or uh, is uh, emphasized uh, as a means to enter into heaven uh, is so, so terribly misleading. It's so deceitful. And I personally believe that most people that go to hell is not because they went to the bar, but that is because they went to a false church that preaches false doctrine. They're trusting in getting, getting baptized in city water. Man, it's hard enough to drink it, much less trust it for your eternal soul. We're going to stand before God someday. The Bible says uh, in Revelation 20, verses 11 and 12, I'm sorry, 11 through 13, that there's, uh, uh, John says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from, from whose face the earth and the heaven uh, fled away. And there was found no place for them. For who? For those that he's talking about here, the lost. There, there was found no place for them, and, and I saw the dead, small and great. In other words, those that held high positions, you know, those that had a name for themselves, you know, uh, the television screen and all of the, uh, all of, all of the um, actors and all, all of the athletes that have, you know, it, that, that they're a household name. You know, they're, they're something. Young people have their posters in their bedroom all around, you know, because they're, they're their idols. If they're without Christ on this day, they will, they will stand before Him. Small and great, the least as the greatest. And, uh, and I saw uh, the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, why would, why would there be a judgment for lost people if they're already destined for hell? I believe this. Uh, I believe this is what the Bible teaches now. 
could be construed as Robertsology, but I just believe this, that there are degrees of punishment in hell, just like there are degrees of rewards in heaven. Not everyone is going to wear a crown in heaven. We find that. There are crowns reserved just for certain things that people do. Now, everybody has an opportunity to get a crown, but not all will wear crowns. There is, I believe, what, five different crowns the Bible mentions. There's a soul winner's crown, right? I'm not sure if I'm going to have that crown. I'll be honest with you. Um, Degrees of rewards in heaven. I believe there's degrees of punishment. For what other reason would you be judged by your works? If you if you are uh, at the great white throne judgment, you are already you're already condemned to hell. Why? By the way, uh, hell is not a place that you want to go. My mother told me once. I don't know anybody in heaven. I just I think I'd just rather go to hell. She didn't realize what she said, but she said, first of all, I have no desire to be with the Lord. And number two, everybody that I like, all my friends, I know based on their life, they're not going to heaven either. What a sad, <clears throat> what a sad uh, testimony, right? I don't know if my my mom was saved. I, God gave me a wonderful opportunity in her last year to witness to her more than I ever was able to in the past. And I can just, you know, just hope, you know, she does not need my approval or my or my proof that she's saved. I just know, I know one thing. God loved her more than I did. God did more for her than I ever did. And God would save her at the very, in her very last breath if, he, if she would have let him. I don't know. The great white throne judgment is based upon works. Men that, and women that stand before uh, God that day are already condemned. So what is the purpose of the judgment? It's to judge them according to their works. Why? So that, you can, that they can receive the things done in their body. Then there's the judgment of the saved. We call it's called the uh, the uh, judgment seat of Christ. We find that in First Corinthians chapter three, and First uh, Corinthians chapter three talks about the judgment seat of Christ. Wow, what a what a wonderful time! We talk so much about heaven, and I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm not looking so much forward to the judgment seat of Christ. I'll just be honest with you. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 through 15, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, thereupon he shall receive a 
reward. Doesn't say he shall be saved. He's already saved. This is dealing with works. It goes on and says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. I believe that's the only suffering that we that is ascribed in, uh, there uh, in heaven. It's that point when we stand before God. There's going to be some suffering going on. Wait, like, wait a minute. Heaven is all about joy and, and just you know the thrill and the... Uh, just the excitement of being there, the uh, the fact that uh, we're not uh, no longer troubled with our old sinful nature, but the reality of it is, there's a place right at the at at the entrance, if you would, of eternal heaven, <laughs> called the judgment seat of Christ, and and those of us that are saved, we're going to stand there, and the Bible says we're going to give an account. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, for we, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done. It's not about, it's not about being saved, these judgments. It's about, it's about what we did after we were saved, we are accountable. I think sometimes in, in our desire to want to encourage people, and I'm, I'm, I'm for encouraging, okay? But one of the, this, this right here motivates me. I don't quit because of this. You say, no, you shouldn't quit because you love God. That's true, but there are sometimes I need fear to keep me going. I'm not always where I ought to be spiritually. By the way, your children, they don't obey uh, uh, all the time because they just love mom and dad so much. They obey because they know the consequences of disobedience. And if, by the way, if you've uh, instilled that in them, you love them. If, if you and I aren't always on top of uh, our game, so our spiritual game, so to speak, uh, you better find something to motivate you. You know what motivates me a lot of times is the judgment seat of Christ. I am going to stand before God and give an account to my Savior, my God and my King, why I did not do some things and why I did some things. Now, I don't fully understand all, all of the things, but I just know according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I've got to give an account. There is a possibility that I, I and you may suffer loss. So I want to live for God in such a way that not only am I, uh, am I going to receive or lose some rewards, suffer loss, not only uh, do I want to live in such a way that I don't suffer loss, but I want to live in such a way that I bring glory to God. Because my desire for, uh, for, uh, for the judgment seat of Christ is not, is not necessarily gold or a crown, although, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not trying to be pious here. I'm just telling you what I want at the judgment seat of Christ. I want to hear some words from Christ. Not that I deserve them. Not that I'm better than anybody. God knows my, me. 
a lot more than I, and I'm not impressed with myself at all. But I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's, what, that's my desire. That is more reward than, than, that's all the reward I could hope for. But that's what I, that's my goal. Are we going to skirt the judgment seat of Christ? Nope. Are we going to experience the joys that uh, are reserved for us in heaven? Absolutely. There, listen, uh, there is things in, that are reserved for us that our minds can't even comprehend right now. God, listen, God is such a gracious and giving and merciful and uh, a, a God who delights to do things for His children. Don't, don't, you, you cannot minimize heaven. But before that time, there is a place called the judgment. Boy, I wish I could just kind of get around that thing real quick. <laughs> okay, I'm in heaven now. I went right from earth, right to heaven, man. I'm all, one more, got one more thing to do. So it motivates me. It ought to motivate all, all, every Christian in here today to live like they're supposed to. We have this idea that God kind of winks at her seeing that. Well, he just the way he is. <laughs> he ain't never going to change. <laughs> now, wives can say that, and that's probably true. But that ain't going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. Because we're going to have to give an account. We're accountable to the God who created us. We're accountable to the God who loves us and accountable to the God who saved us. And we will give an account because we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you, God, for the Word of God that tells us and gives us uh, a truth that can uh, help us to not become uh, just, a, uh, just an individual that is spiritually drifting through life. Help us to realize that Listen, our life is absolutely important. What we do on this side of heaven is absolutely important. This is no game. We're not here to get everything we can, we can get and then uh, hoard it all until, uh, until, the time that it, uh, until the time that you come to get us. Uh, it's time to do your work. It's time. Uh, we're not to be lax. We're... Uh, we're to uh, we're to be understand that we're stewards of uh, of your blessings. We're stewards of the time you give to us, and help us to be wise stewards. Help us to grasp the truth. These are sobering truths. These are uh, these are foundational truths that every child of God should never uh, become lax in such a way that we forget why we're here. Oh my Lord, help us to realize that. Uh, you give uh, to us so many opportunities uh, to serve you, so many uh, possibilities uh, in our life to do more. I pray that today might, uh, you might challenge our hearts and give to us, Lord, just a desire and a de new determination to serve you in these days that we're living in. So oftentimes we find um, uh, more than not that um, professing believers are out of church today. They're not serving you. They're not doing your will. They're not even concerned about eternity for others. I pray that you'd awaken our hearts today if we've become uh, so uh, callous that, Lord, we've forgotten that, uh, that there's more to life than just us. I pray that you'd speak to us today. Use the invitation time 
uh, to, Lord, if there's any decisions that should be made here today, that they might be made. And, Father, if there's anybody in our midst today that is without Christ, that does not know you as Savior, Lord, I pray, Spirit of God, I pray that you would convince them that they must be born again. Have your will and way. We'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Let's all stand together. Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. My wife's going to play. Uh, uh, Penis is going to play a verse of invitation. And uh, if you uh, need to come to an old-fashioned altar here this morning, uh, you come as they begin to play. Would you come? Are you born again? Do you know the Lord Jesus today as your Savior? Do you know Him as your Savior? Are you absolutely convinced by the Holy Spirit of God, 100%, no doubts in your mind that Christ is your Savior and heaven is your home? And you have a desire today to want to know Him. You have a desire today to find out more how you can be born again. You can come this morning. We'll take a Bible and show you what God says concerning the salvation of your soul. And you can get things settled once and for all. That Christ has saved you. Would you come? One more verse and we're going to close the service. This invitation will be over. Your opportunity at this moment for salvation in this place will be over. Say, well, preacher, you're trying to tell me that if I don't get saved right now, uh, that I'm never going to get saved? No, but you may never have another opportunity to be saved. Don't neglect your opportunity for salvation. Would you come today to let God have His way? If He's calling you today, would you let Him have His way? All right. Thank you for your attention, and you're such a a good, merciful crowd to preach to today. Uh, You didn't stomp out and uh, throw things at me on your way out. Appreciate that. Um, we will meet back here. Let's just make it uh, 12, uh, 1.15, if that's all right. I'll try to make it up to you on the time, the afternoon's uh, time, and I'll preach shorter. And uh, who's laughing back there? Um, anyway, uh, I heard him. I heard him. All right, thank you for your attention. Let's, uh, be, uh, let's just go ahead and ask the Lord to bless the food and the fellowship. And uh, we'll meet back here at 115. Father, again, we're thankful that you give to us a place where we can come and assemble, learn, worship. Um, uh, you are such a, a gracious God to us. We do not deserve your, the least of your kindness. How you deal with us, Lord, is on a fatherly son basis. You never yell at us. You never scream at us. You never lose your temper. You always are so very faithful and good. Um, you're such a perfect, perfect Heavenly Father. And we thank you for how you deal with us. And God, as we've proclaimed the Word today, Lord, let not the Word just simply roll off of 
uh, our shoulders uh, and uh, roll to the to the ground, but that it might sink in. Help us to realize that our time here is very temporary. We're we're just here for a short time, and we need to take every day and count our days as a gift from you, and that we are to be good stewards of the time that you have blessed us with, granted to us. I pray that you would uh, be with uh, the fellowship uh, downstairs, the food. I pray you bless it to our bodies and help us to be back in our place uh, in the afternoon service. We'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.